Visit us at culturedig.com. Join us at facebook.com slash culturedig. And follow us at twitter.com slash culture underscore dig. Google Cabo, Google Cabo. One of us, one of us. Google Cabo. They're going to make you one of them. Coach Dig. What is thy bidding, my master? Hey, listen. Shields up, Captain. This landing is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Perhaps today is a good day to die. Someone ever tries to kill you, you try to kill him right back. Control, control, you must run control. We are controlling transmission. Captain, incoming message. Also... I can kill you with my brain. Make it so. Culture dig. Oh, God. Oh, that feels so amazing to say out loud. I didn't know you could fly a plane. Why, yes! Plan? No! This is Jimmers, and you're listening to Culture Dig Podcast. All right, guys, the first topic up for uh, <clears throat> discussion is our big dig segment. No. Anyway, this is Jimmers. I'm here with Jeff and Buchanan. All right, so uh, the, what we've decided to be the very first topic for our big dig, that's D-I-G, even though my voice to text keeps telling me it's big dick. I don't even know why. <laughs> Mine did the same thing. So I thought it always sounded like kind of like big dick. That's well, that's, that's part I thought of it. it was Apple. Like, that was a Steve Jobs thing. No, man, no. It's that's it's uh, Android, too. Holy shit. Yeah. I had the same problem. Did you hear that thing a couple of years ago about they listed all the autocorrects that aren't picked up by the iPhone? Did you guys ever see this? I know. Like, it'll it'll pick up, like, abolition or some comparable word of, of similar syllables, but it won't autocorrect the word abortion if you type it in. If you type in abulsion, it'll just leave it abulsion. And these are like the words that Apple pretends don't exist. It's what it, fucking weird. What annoys me is the, the Android. It's like, I want to say fuck. Quit doing F star star star. Jeff, you, can, you can fix man. that. All you have to do is go to settings and say, do not censor me, motherfucker. Really? Yeah, there, there's, there's actually a, a setting. That says that? Yeah. Censor me, Maybe not verbatim, but it's on there. Because mine actually says F-U-C-K for fuck. Oh, really? You know what mine says? Oh, it says ducking. Yeah, mine says ducking. Mine says, uh, that, and I type in fucking, and it autocorrects it to duck. Like, this is by hand. This yeah, isn't talked to death. That was hilarious the other day, that post. But, what post? Did I post something? Oh, shit. Uh, never mind. What? <laughs> Probably. Our memory sucks, so never mind. Your okay. memory sucks? I just have some short-term memory issues. You just suck regular. What are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about the big dig. We're talking, okay. Star Wars. Let me set this up. All right, so, what was it? A couple weeks ago. Hanks, was this you and me in, in Publix, or was this you, me and Jeff? I don't remember. My memory right. sucks, too. Uh, obviously, a short-term memory is uh, epidemic here. Uh, so we're in Publix. I'm, like, wearing a Star Wars t-shirt, okay? I'm in my regaled Millennium Falcon t-shirt that I got at Target. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the bag boy, was it you? Yeah, Okay, all right. So the bag boy is like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for the new movie. But the funny, you know, the funny thing is... This is like the twentieth guy in the last month that like will see something Star Wars on me because apparently I'm a fan or something, whatever. You and there, 
Yeah. Obviously, it's just me. And people will actually want to engage me in this conversation about the new movie. All right. Now, let's separate that from back in pre-May, was it 16th, 1999, when Phantom Menace came out. Okay. People just averted their eyes from your t-shirt and went into a corner and cried. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, probably. Darth Maul looked kind of bad. Okay. You're talking before the movie actually released. Before the movie. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking about the dark time. All right. I was more depressed after the movie. Well, yeah. It it was before. Okay. It's it's that. It was coming. Like I heard, you know, weeks before it came out. I I actually have my own theories on why people weren't quite. I mean, people were excited because, oh, you know, we've waited 30 years for this or whatever. 20, 22 years. Yeah. All these people, they bought tickets to the theater to see that. Yeah. They started. Second uh, teaser and stuff. But no, I think partly, I think collectively, our collective subconscious knew that episode one was going to suck balls because people watched a special edition, a new hope. And they're like, what the fuck is that dinosaur doing in a new hope? That design, that dinosaur does not belong here. George Lucas. What have you done to us? No, no, the dude, there's actually a do back in the original one. And it looks cool because it's just, Oh, the tall ones are the long neck. Oh, those those are called the Ronto, but I'm I'm reminding myself a little bit. All the you know the uh, idiotic Jawa sounds are there. I hated, hated even back then. I hated the fact that they threw in Jabba the Hutt and he looked terrible in A New Hope. And it, here's the thing: like they actually just CGI'd the over the actual actor yeah, who was just a fat human guy, not one that? of us, and he. Not only was the CGI terrible, it, the, the dialogue doesn't fit, and it completely derails the entire scene anyway. And I, I'll be honest, like Harrison Ford doesn't act that well in that scene, that scene anyway. And it's sort of like this glimpse of like, oh shit, George Lucas can't direct either. Anyway, I assume you have seen the original, where it's the fat guy. Yeah, yeah we've all I've seen, seen stills of. I've never actually seen the the clips. Oh, really, I have I've seen the stills. I've seen it too. And you call yourself family. Shut up! Yeah, I'm, you know what? <laughs> yeah, you watched the Christmas special. Have you watched the Christmas special? I think I did. Don't back do in the it. Day. Don't do it. I'll I'll have watched it for the three of us. <laughs> I will be, I will bear that shame. I don't remember it. There might be a reason. No, no, no. You would remember it because it's 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 everything you knew that was yet to come about George Lucas. I mean. Thank goodness for Urban Kirshner and uh, and the wife and the wife <laughs> and no, the you wife. You hear about the, like his wife did all the editing and rewrites and all this stuff. Oh, I've heard about that. Reverse. Yeah, it turned into a giant shit pile. All right, it's, it's true. Speaking, speaking of wives, my wife fucking hated both Little Anakin and the uh, Christian. Yeah, hating but yeah. I think everybody hates those guys more. More the little kid. She thought she thought the, the, the no no Hayden Christensen is much much worse. At least when you're a child, no, you have she an thought, excuse. She thought he was a little bitch. Hayden Christensen? Yeah. Oh yeah, he is a little bitch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the same too. Yeah, because like in every horror movie, they always have that little child who's possessed or they get attacked or whatever you know, bullshit. You, see, you know what I mean? Like uh, the twins from The Shining or Not Com. twins. Yeah. Oh. And, and uh, like it doesn't. You already know he's going to be. Darth Vader, well, you know, I mean, like, there's nothing left to the mind. There's no mystique to that. And that stupid fucking shadow looks like a silhouette of Vader. We had that poster. I actually thought it was, I actually liked that poster. Yeah, that was 
<laughs> somebody clever in the art. If only we could make the uh, create the art direction as creative as the movie. Well, I said, maybe if I saw it initially, I would have thought it's cool. But then when you see Lucas talk about the stylistic decisions he made for episode one, like uh, he was talking about, he did uh, in-depth research into the Bible to determine that evil uh, characters often have uh, reddish skin and horns. So I gave the <laughs> wow. them all so that uh, the viewers would instantly know he was a character. I would have never fucking thought of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I represented uh, Darth Vader as a shadow of Anakin because I did some research into the Bible and uh, shadows and darkness are often associated uh, with evil and things of that nature. Isn't that, isn't that, that's the only book I've ever read. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that Babylonian? The, the whole, I can't remember, shit, the, he's yeah. like part bull, part guy. Oh, no, the, the, the guy, Amon Hur? Nobody knows what the fuck. Are you, talk, are you talking about Enkidu? Amon Hur. What are you talking about, Gilgamesh? Well, all right. I'm I, talking I about the god Amon oh, oh, right. I think it's called Amon Hur, but basically, he's the god of, of light, and his shadow is the devil. Right, but I'm sure wait, it's wait, universal. Wait. Jeff, 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 are you saying that Christianity isn't original? Very not so. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, hold on. Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Well, let's not alienate our viewers Well, that doesn't for me. I'm converted. Or listeners. I'm a straight-up atheist now. Thank you, guys. Oh, good job, man. Well, you know the story about hor- I, horse. Let's blame I mean, Jesus. Lucas. All right, anyway, let's, let's, let's read it back into the, the whole uh, A New New Hope. All right, that's what we're calling this. We're calling it A New New Hope because for the first time since, I guess, probably like before 1997 when that special edition came out, there's actually a lot of excitement and hope for what's to come. I wanted to call it the Dorks Awaken. <laughs> uh, I take issue with that, sir. Can we use both? Uh, I suppose. Yeah, George Lucas did. Oh, hey, that's a good way to go then. Um, anyway, all right, so uh, let's talk about it. There, are, right. there is one among us, and he shall reveal himself uh, in a few seconds, I'm sure, who recently posted on the website that J.J. Abrams has already failed as a director. Oh, that was me. Hey, that was that Zimmer. That was Zimmer. Hey, I wanted to talk about that. This was one particular case in point, and it was particularly acute. This was the case of acute appendicitis. Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Oh, fuck. I came up with a idea for a lightsaber with quillins that would actually work instead of getting cut off the first All right. time. Well, it's not time to tell, tell Jimmers well, to fuck I came, off. Then. I came up with the idea for a cross guard when I was 10 playing in my front yard. And then I turned 11 and realized it was a stupid fucking idea. No, it's actually a good idea. No, it's not. There's a reason they have quillins and swords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, you guys are going to talk about technical stuff. I only hear about oh, yeah. You did at the Ren Fest. Um, there is a certain hey, none style of this year. and mise-en-scene that's been established over the course of the original trilogy. Iato. And, uh, okay. And, um, this is not in the spirit of that. Uh, the lightsaber in and of itself, this is the point I made on the article, um, it may not be particularly bad, but what really pissed me off is somebody called J.J. Abrams on it. And it was basically how has fan reaction been to this? And he got uh, kind of pissed watch. off at fans. Did you guys watch the actual video? You, you sent me the clip to watch, yeah. And, and did you watch it? No, I didn't. I watched it. Yeah. Because it pretty kind of starts off, and he's sort of like, I, I don't know why everyone's so upset. 
And then he goes on to say that effectively they had a discussion, whatever that means, that led up to the lightsaber with the handguard, the Quillion, Quillings. Quillings, yeah. Um, whatever you want to call it. And that uh, I actually thought about it in advance. So, oh, okay, all's forgiven. Uh, what ticked me off about it, though, is the fact that he was upset with the fans. Like, like it mystified him that people would see something like that. And, like, when you see it in the trailer, like, like how long is the, the teaser trailer we're talking about here? Two minutes? Uh, well, two, yeah. I think it's two minutes. It's and, and, like, there are things I was going to say I absolutely loved about the trailer. There are things I saw about the trailer that I was like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. And then that comes right in the minute. It's right before one of the blackout breaks in the thing. So it's emphasized. And notice it's center shot, too. Like, this is going to be seen... I'm guessing most people are going to see this shit in IMAX. And, of course. Yeah, and... um. But the lightsaber is center shot. And the th- you know, like we talk about the rule of thirds and photography and cinematography. The lightsaber is dead center in the middle of the screen. And there comes the one lightsaber. And it was cool. Like, I'm like, oh, man, it looks like a fire and it's crackling. Like, there's something, there's something, yeah, there's something different about this lightsaber. All right, I know this guy is a badass. I know he's got to be evil because it's red. And then the, the Quilons pop out and... All right, let's call them Cuberts. <laughs> All right, and then the then the, the then he turns on the cross guard, and it's like this looks like something that would have come out of George Lucas's mind or asshole. And um, the fact that J.J. Abrams then goes on and says, "No, don't wait. You're blowing things out of proportion." Like he doesn't understand. Everyone's been getting butt fucked since the re-releases. I think that's a good point too. Everybody started things like you know, episode one is where all this shit started. Like the re-releases. No, everyone. Ninety-seven. Been, it's been. It's been. Yeah. Ninety-seven. Is when the re-releases happened. Yeah, and, and and we've been butt fucked over this stuff. And so he does something that looks suspiciously Lucas-esque. He shoots it in a way that accentuates it, and then he gets pissed off at the fans for bringing it up and start making fun of their dorkery for sending him emails, you know, deriding him for doing such a thing. Well, all right. Uh, what you did know, like what you didn't take into account in your article that I read, I was probably one of four people uh, who has read it. No offense. Check, it's a new check us out, culturedig.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. Yeah, edit that shit out. <laughs> I don't want people to know that nobody's read my article it's a yet. New site. It's a I know. New. It's, it's new. We're new people. Listen and share with your friends. They can tell we're new. They trust. Oh, do we suck that badly already? We think we sound good, but people are going to be like, man, you fucking suck balls, guys. Get done blowing each other. They probably say that anyway, though. People are fucking... They listen to a Mozart sonata, they would say that People are fucking assholes. Yeah, Yeah, all you ugly, ugly, mean fuckers, we don't care about blowing each other. Oh. Anyway, uh, what you you did not take into account in your article is the fact that J.J. Abrams is a lifelong fan of Star Wars, and he's been suckling at the George Lucas teats, which may or may not be a good thing for the past, what, 30 years, 40 yeah. years, almost? Jesus. I agree with estrogen, men can lactate. Yeah, see, I'm not sure how much it matters, because... Well, yeah, in your it, article, you said that he was, like, you don't know where he came, like, no, he's yeah, a no, fan, dude. No, okay, yeah, um, there are limits to my empirical knowledge, but I don't care. All right, so what do you think uh, about, what do you think about Kevin Smith? As a as a director, as a writer, I I enjoy like it's very stylized and in a particular way. All right, I think it's absolutely outstanding. So about a year ago, he visited Kevin Smith visited yeah. the set and he saw the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, he, no, he saw everything. He's like, yeah. you know what this this is going to happen. This is going to be awesome. Have faith. Our Star Wars has returned. Like that's almost verbatim what he said. 
So, all right, the lightsaber thing aside, take into account everything else that we're looking at. Is there reason to hope? Oh, I think there's a ton of reason to hope. I think there's a ton. All I mean, I've seen the trailer, and I've seen hundreds of hours of people postulating on YouTube. And I've seen Kevin Smith talk about going to actually see the, the filming. Right. Um, but, like, things I did like about the trailer. Um, I like, you guys remember the opening shot. It opens and it shows a, a desert, what we presume to be a desert planet. Yeah. You know, in the way that, you know, like, and John Boyega comes up. Probably yeah. And so we assume it's Tatooine. Unless... And so I think, I think, holy shit, I'm going to see Mark Hamill. I'm going to see Luke Skywalker is going to pop out. And no, instead what pops out is a stormtrooper. And the stormtrooper is black. <gasps> and there's like this double. Oh no. Already. And also, the stormtrooper. More on that later. Is expressing emotion. So, like, I'm triply. Remi- like, there's this weird, like, double reversal of my expectations, which is kind of a cool subversion. And then there's also this, like, oh, this isn't a Lucas film. Somebody's actually acting. <laughs> well, here's, here's why. <laughs> That's true. That's like the, the first. 30 seconds of the trailer, you're like, oh shit. Right. There's so many acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right but, but I mean, like, uh, like the fact that it was the first 30 seconds of the trailer, like, it, there was a long buildup. Like, you're looking at Tatooine and you're like, all right, I'm th- yeah. like, already, like, my mind is, like, turning on and I'm thinking about Luke in episode four. And then, like, when he pops up, um, it, it was like the person who had shot that and made the creative decision to put that in the, the teaser. I, and I don't know if Abrams, how much control he has over the teaser. But it was obvious that like, somebody... Apparently not a lot, because this. he didn't want to release it at all. Somebody who was filming this had patience, which is something that is completely lacking. And there were no lens flares. Were there? Please tell me there are no lens flares. Before, I, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Before okay. you guys get too far, you asked me if I have hope. Now, one thing I do have hope for, you know, the black guy you mentioned, John Boyega. He has a name, Jeff. Yes, a babe. <laughs> well, I'm a white guy. You can call me the white guy. Um, that means I'm black. <laughs> John I'm Boyega. He, well, if you're only one of only two white guys in the entire universe, I mean, finish. it would be pretty. <laughs> Let me finish. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> a little South Park reference. Um, John Boyega, if you guys don't remember, was in Attack the Block. And Attack the Block was fucking awesome. He played it's Moses. A good movie. He played Moses in Attack the Block. Have you seen it? No. Fuck. Dude, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. You should see it. He was good in it. So, it gives me hope. Okay. Uh, so, what, why else do you guys have hope about this new movie? Because I'm a glutton for punishment. Ooh. <laughs> so, apparently, you like the anus rape. Remember that, guys. All right. Well, all right. Well, we also have to discuss the long-term viability of the franchise. And Disney is not going to be eager to fuck things up. Like, they want this to work more than anybody, whereas George Lucas was just in La La Land, like, oh, let's just go sell some toys, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not going to put out this piece of shit movie that is going to completely erase the, what could potentially happen. Right, because I tell you right. what, the first three prequel movies, sadly, have almost undone the good that was done with the original cl- trilogy. Right. Yeah, we know Disney is evil as hell, but they're also rich as hell, and they want to stay that way. I kind of agree. I feel like they're going to do everything they can, whatever the producer is, Kennedy or whatever. She looks like she's pretty good. 
Um, yeah, J.J. Abrams. I mean, he's been kind of hit or miss, I guess. Ever I mean, he made Star Trek and the sequel and stuff. So I don't. And that, that's the other thing that I'm saying. Like, I'm kind of hesitant about him. But I, I feel like you know, it's like too big to fail. Not because they're going to get bailed out. Well, but and it's not. Too much it's not in just the movies. Like, like when they ejected <laughs> expanded universe mythology, they oh, I wanted to see it they the decided so that whatever they're going to do, that they're putting all their bag, their eggs in this basket. And they want this to succeed because everything you see on Star Wars Rebels now is now canon. They're releasing a bunch of books that tie into the you know the gap between Rebels classic trilogy and the new movie, and they're all supposed to be quote unquote canon. So they're going to try like hell to get us to keep buying these books, keep buying these comics, keep going to the movies, keep going to these spinoff movies that where you know they just announced the title of what last week, Rogue yeah. One, Gareth Edwards. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm compelled to go to Disney World quite a bit, and in my time there, like, everything is exceptionally well done. You know, like, you're waiting in line, even the waits in line, they manage to entertain you somehow with music or scenery, or they have video games built into the wall. So they don't get out of it. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, like, no, um, but <laughs> now you know why Mickey's Mouse's gloves are white. Oh. And, and, uh, but you know, like if, if something gets too busy, all of a sudden, you know, like they schedule, have a parade take place in a different part of the park to draw people away. You know, you know, like everything is generally exceptionally well executed. You talk to cast members and they're like, this place fucking sucks. And it's run by a bunch of monkeys and whatnot. But I mean, you know, like when you're there, it feels like at least, you know, competent people are running it. But the other thing, uh, so, like on the one hand, I'm like, all right, you know, like there's, there's too much in this or too many eggs in one basket. Um, on the other hand though, I mean, episodes one, two, and three. Did they not make a shit ton of money? Like by one metric, you know, if we were all capitalists sitting here, we're all communists. But if we were all, you know, capitalists sitting here, we would be like, oh, you know, like, man, episode, which episode made the most? I think episode three. Uh, who cares? And we do know. Yeah, I know. I mean, we know it sucks, but I mean, probably did it make a lot of money? I think it was yeah, probably episode one. Episode yeah. one made the most one. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like they determine how much money movies are going to make because they pick out a day years in advance for a certain release date. And depending on when it's on in the summer, if it's on a three-day weekend, like they haven't figured out the base amount of money that movie is going to make no matter right. what kind of a shit turd they pump out. It doesn't matter. And you also have to look at the Disney treatment of Marvel because I tell you what, man, if you watch anything that was a Marvel movie in the 90s, ho, ho, ho. Like you had Dolph Lundgren's Punisher that actually resembled oh God, nothing that was like. Awful. I actually yeah, like I that movie. It's sort of like this hidden gem in this craptastic. I liked orgasm. it then. If you watched it now, <laughs> I'm not so sure it hold up. No, I'm, all I'm saying is like for a '90s action low budget movie, it doesn't really resemble anything in the comic book. I get it, but it was kind of cool. Then, but then you have like the Captain America movie. You have the Fantastic like Four movie that you never saw. Like it's only in bootleg form even to this day. When Disney came, you know, came in and bought Marvel in two thousand nine, like it was a golden touch because before that you had Iron Man. Iron Man was doing really, really well. Spider Man, the Sam Raimi trilogy. I mean, that was doing fairly well until the third movie. Uh, but Marvel came in with the associated properties. Of course, they don't have Marvel. Marvel does not have control of Spider Man quite yet. But I guess they've worked something out where he can appear in the movies. But dude, the shit is gold. Like Age of Ultron is going to blow some minds. You know it is. I hope so. All right, so all I'm saying is like the fact that Disney is controlling this, you know it's going to be good. Well, 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 well I, my first instinct was to agree with you, but think about this. Oh, you're if there are two, there. yeah, as a thought experiment, if there are two options for Dis like you're you're sitting in the boardroom at a Disney shareholders meeting, and they're all a bunch of fucking billionaires sitting around. 
Um, and you have two options. You can make the greatest fucking Star Wars movie in history. It will make you come like you came when you're in Cloud City in Episode 5. And you saw that shit happen. Or you can make a movie that's going to make $2 billion worldwide in box office. You but know, what, like which what matters one? the two billion that you know you might get the two billion the once, but nobody's ever to come back again after that. Because if George Lucas were making this movie, I don't I, think I would go. Mm, oh, well, you'd go. No, I wouldn't. I dude, I, I think I would see. go. I would still. Uh, guys, I would go. Confession yeah. time. All right, yeah. coming from a guy who's been to the conventions, I did not see episode three in the theater. Oh, I did. Yeah, I, I said, did. I said after episode two, you could audibly hear when my heart broke in that theater. Right. That part when Anakin is floating that piece of fruit across to Padme, and of course the acting's already terrible. That was episode two. That's what I'm saying. In episode yeah. two, but I'm saying sh- this is where it lost me. He's like, "Oh, Master Obi Wan would be very grumpy if he saw me doing this." I'm like, "Really? The fucking fruit?" I'm sure you had to practice that shit lots. Oh my god! Grumpy. All right. So um, no, I didn't see the it. Sand. I watched it on DVD. I own it on DVD. How many times I've watched that DVD since I bought it? Zero. I have not watched that movie. If you were to watch it with all the, with all the romance shit taken out, how, what would you like the better? Because God, they... All the shitty acting taken out? All the shitty plotting? Yeah. All the shitty CGI overuse? Uh, my wife. My wife. Uh, least favorite scene has to be the one where they're on their fucking picnic and <laughs> that's terrible. It's like, oh my god, it's embarrassing. How, how could Padme not have seen the homicidal genocidal, you know, homicidal genocidal maniac to come with that whole conversation? It was so transparent. I realize they're virgins, but that was a little too awkward. You don't get to choose who you love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would say, all right, episode two was dog shit. I saw it in the theater. Six times. I saw it twice. I don't know. The, okay, all right. Here we go. This is what the fuck I'm talking about. You know. Uh, all right. How about this? Let me let me talk about um, uh, psychology for a little bit. Uh, you know, Jacques Lacan of the Freudian school. You know, he talks about like the nature of all pleasure is perverse. Like it is. Where are your hands right now? Holding a microphone. And, Stroking the microphone. That's an euphemism. And um. Like it is incapable for us to feel pleasure without pain. Um, you got no, 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 no. I mean, like you know, you I'm not talking about like sour. directly with sadomasochism. What? I mean, that's that's analogous, but it's not homologous to what I'm talking about. That's your fucking up. All right, enough ball breaking. This doesn't make for good radio. Jeff one, Jimmer's nothing. And all right, well, hold on. He's going to do a recon. He's like, oh, Lordy. <laughs> I got the paper. <laughs> Everybody be quiet for a second. I'm trying. Gonna, I'm trying. We got to cut. We got to cut it. Because I saw an article this week, and it was about films that are being released in 2015 that purely play upon, the way they described it is, you know, millennial sense of nostalgia. And they're talking about, you know, like, Think about all the fucking films that are coming out that are, are just re- I mean, it's been like this for quite some time, but a lot of them now, rather than being like another uh, entry in a franchise, now it's all this shit where you get stuff where um, it, it's a movie that came out in the 90s or the late 80s. So they're talking about like, I think there was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles recently. I don't know. They're selling toys at Walmart or um, uh, McDonald's. And um, 
but they're having like the new Jurassic Park is coming out this year. Jurassic World that looks like shit. But at least uh, they're probably not gonna do an origin story again. Jurassic Park. Yeah, we've but, seen this shit. Origin story sh- from now on. If you're gonna do an origin story at all, two fucking minutes, and then you skip forward to what's happening now. And they're gonna have no, uh, you make the a new- trilogy about it. Damn it. And they're doing the new Terminator Genesis, which looks like it's exactly like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, where it's going to be an origin story involving time travel. And they're going to go back, and it's going to be completely, you know, a completely. New but universe. I will watch it because I'm in. Yeah, love oh yeah, I'm going to watch Clark. it too. Yeah, um, I, I feel like my expectations for that is it could at the very least be a fun movie. You know, yeah, it's be yeah, I think the expectations for that one are right. a lot lower. But I mean, you know, like the studios are that dumb. I mean, they're putting hundreds of millions of dollars in these things. Yeah, they consult with people. They talk about people that can analyze collective psychology of populations. And they know when they have you by the balls. Like, I'm going to see Jurassic. I'm going to know it's going to fucking suck. And I'm going to see it. I know they're going to get at least the $12 or $15 out of me. And, and that's going to be that. Nerds are a bit of a captive audience. Right, yeah. So, like, the star, like the people who, like, want to see a great Star Wars are going to see the damn thing no matter what. We know that. That's a lie. So now you got to get fucking six-year-olds to see it. And six-year-olds are fucking stupid. They like cartoon characters. <laughs> Mr. Jar Jar. We speak as people and they who like, have six-year-olds. Like they you. like lightsabers that have six prongs coming out of them. Whoa, that's going to be an awesome toy at Walmart. Yeah, because you're six. You're fucking stupid. So, you know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to maximize profits. You're going to package it, and you're going to sell the hell out of it at Walmart. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could be a good movie. They might be going that route, but they don't need to. I don't feel like they're compelled to do it in the same way people are thinking, oh, like on. you, Buchanan. When you were six, you'd have been like, fucking... Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I would have grown up. stupid. And I would have grown up, and they would continue to make movies that are stu- fucking stupid for six-year-olds, and I would still go see them because I had the nostalgia thing going, and my kids had the being uh, fucking stupid thing going. It's the raping of generations, gentlemen. Yeah. It's the raping of generations. <laughs> all right. No, let's, Jar Jar. Right. Oh. Yeah, I mean, like, I've seen some videos recently where people are talking no. about, because, like, all the complaints about episodes one through three, and they're going through and talking about, well, if you really look at it, four through six had a lot of problems, too. Now, I have to admit, in their list that they were giving, half of the problems they were complaining about with episodes four through six were shit that were caused by episodes one through three. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like continuity like problems. About, like they're talking about like um uh like what's up with Chewbacca? Like why doesn't he know what's going on and, and more stuff about the rebellion and Yoda and stuff? So, like why isn't he working with it? Because he's like oh you know the warrior working with the the and it's like that's because it's fuck the fucking new trilogy. You know what I mean? Like George Lucas didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He was on painkillers, so you don't. <laughs> So like you know you can't. Or, like, this is why we're having an argument about what's canon because I don't I'm not familiar with a lot of expanded universe stuff and I'm, I'm thinking like I think of four five and six as being like when we talk about tiers of canon like that's canon in my mind and one through three like I I pretend they don't exist. Chewbacca some level. Chewbacca blocked it out because of the PTSD from being in a Wookiee prisoner camp all those years. That has to be it. Or <laughs> Chewbacca did a lot of spice. <laughs> A lot. It was college guys, and there was also. But apparently, we have a. Uh, did you hear about this? Uh, uh, our first lesbian or gay character in a canon Star Wars novel coming out. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm just. I always thought that maybe Chewbacca experimented a little bit in college. That's what the whole hog. Yeah. Everybody was, thought C three PO. Yeah, but he does not have the required. <laughs> he's, he's not like. Give, you know, come on, give it to me, R2. Yeah. Might, well, electrocute, might electrocute yourself. Now, this is going to be a hard... I, I don't want to segue into this, but, like, that's something always upset me about, um, 
episode six is the thing with Luke and Leia being the sister. And then you have to deal with all the kisses that I'm Lucas has to try to, I'm yeah, I mean, like, why couldn't they just make, you know, like, all of a sudden, you know, like, he's looking at Chewbacca bend over, he realizes he's gay, and then <laughs> Leia can run off with Han. And that's a fucking, you know what I mean? That would be yeah. beautiful. Yeah, Problem solved right there. Even, even though Chewbacca is technically negative, you bend it over, it would just look the same. Yeah. All right. I said bend it. All right, on another note, said, how much? I said, I said bend it. All right, so let's talk about the effects part, as far as the, uh. Neutral as it goes. I mean, that was one of the things, going back to what Kevin Smith said when he was reporting on what he saw. Yeah. Uh, he said that the effects are going to be organic. If you, you know, going back to that interview that you mentioned with J.J. Abrams and other interviews we've had with J.J. Abrams, he's been talking about how if any time that there could be a set built, he built it. Well, that's what Peter, Peter Jackson did in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, not so much of these Hobbit movies. No, no, not the Hobbit movies. The yeah, Hobbit, the Hobbit movies, movies are like, what yeah. the fuck happened to all the the bigatures and miniatures? And I, I agree. I mean, I feel like the Lord of the Rings. That was a CG fuckfest. What are you talking about? Or organic? You know? Mm-hmm. No, um, if, if you watch, if, if you watch the making of, I just think that the CGI was. If you watch the making, properly, if you watch the making of, although it was a little bit too, much. it is a blend of CGI and yeah, yeah. Whereas I mean, real shit. The prequel trilogy was almost entirely in front of a green screen, which might explain some of the poor acting because it was newer technology, and I think a lot of these. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Natalie Portman's a good actress, but you take her performance in okay. the prequel trilogy, and you you can predict uh, no good things uh, for her. Yeah, did you ever hear this anecdote about George Lucas told them not to act well? He's like, I want you to do like a nineteen I want you to do like a nineteen twenty speaky voice when you deliver this yeah, this yeah. this monologue. Yeah. Yeah, see, sand, I, I hate it. Yeah, see? It it, it touches my skin. Some something is hated. Obi Wan, I have to save it, see, yeah. All right, so anyway, back yeah, but to actually the actually didn't back say that. He supposedly he directed them not to act well. But, like, have you ever taken an acting class? I took one acting for non-majors class when I was in college. It was an honors class. And it was, like, an easy credit. And, like, you stand there, and it's all this, like, bullshit about, like, practice. Like, you're going to deliver a monologue. Like, you're giving a speech. You know, like, whatever. You pick something. So you'd be, you know, like, um, William oh, Wallace from Braveheart. Yeah, and you're going to pretend the people in the class sitting here in plastic chairs in the, in the classroom that's built into the foundation of the stadium for tax purposes, you're going to pretend that they're, you know, the army. And, um, like, that's what you do. Like, that's what normal fucking actors start off doing. I don't think it's because they're bad actors or bad directors or a green screen. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not George Lucas's fault, but, um, well, if you watch the professional, you know, uh, well, the, you know, Leon, the professional probably, movie, yeah. like she's acting before star wars that's have you right. seen yeah that? like i'm not blaming natalie portman and i'm not blaming blaming the green screen no, either i'm I think, saying like it, it's credible to believe you because yeah. you knew she could act before he, that lucas could have at least wrung a good acting performance out of her even if it was on a green screen he didn't but have you seen her give a performance sense of course which ones black swan oh well i've seen certain parts i i love the movie uh Closer, I've seen with that. Clive Owen. Oh, is that the one with Julia just... Roberts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen certain parts of that too. I wonder which parts. <laughs> fup, 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 fup. I, I'm trying to remember. How was she in V for Vendetta? Oh, outstanding! Oh yeah, V for Vendetta is a great yeah. movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. What? I I do believe you gave me the. Oh wait, we should not report on pirating activities. Live. I uh, don't own a ship. Right, Mark. I don't own a ship. 
<laughs> you gave me that movie. All right, so we're talking about acting. It's real. These guys can act. Although Hayden Christensen never acted. I kind of like so him this, in Jumper. Shut up. He didn't have to. He made all those teenage girls drop their panties and it made it tolerable. And the boys, like the nerd boys in high school, were like, hey, we're going to go see a fucking Star Wars movie. All right. You know what? I admit he's not as terrible in Jumper, but he's still pretty bad. Wait, what's this? Oh, oh, okay. I think I, I know this movie. I've never seen it. I think maybe Jumper is like closer to his real personality, could be maybe. Wait, does that mean Hayden Christensen has powers? No. <laughs> either either he. About him in that movie where uh, Hotness was trying to kill him, Jessica Alba. I don't even know if I've seen that movie. Oh, really? He, he's like, y- have you ever heard of that where you, where you go under, where you're but you still feel? And oh, hear. oh, oh, yeah. the, oh, yeah, 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 the eye or whatever the eyes or I don't know. She was, she was hot. It was yeah. weird seeing her as a bad. I know guy, what you're talking about. Yes, girl. yes, yes. Yeah, I, I was. I like Jessica Alba. I watched it. Okay, well that I'm that's that's that. true. Uh, anyway, so it was back to this FX thing. I think the fact that the uh, effects are going to be much more, you know, there should be more miniatures. There should be actual location builds. Nice. Yeah, I was uh, looking forward to that. And then the trailer comes out. And, like, the first thing you see is the, the um, stormtrooper. When do you see the troopers all on the ship? I'm not sure. You see a, the girl on the speeder. It's supposed to be Leia's daughter on the speeder, Daisy Ripley, I think is yeah, her name. And like she's she's like the complete unknown, which I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I am excited about like something because like you have to assume they got to have something going for him. This better be a good actress. And um, but then you know like the droid ball. A lot of people are pissed off about that. I hope it's a tiny thing. But like I was saying before, like you're you're like releasing a two minute teaser trailer that people are going to be jerking off to for six months and analyzing every frame of. And it's kind of like I don't know. Like if that's one of the things you put in there. This is the thing I was initially trying to like um, explain my my protests about. It, it's like why would somebody, whoever it is, I don't know if it's Abrams or whoever, like make that as a stylistic. Tra- like I really want to show off this fucking crazy looking CG droid spinning around in the desert. You know, I don't know. Have you guys heard anything about plot points? Yeah, we yeah. Well, actually, if you go ahead, if you YouTube some of this stuff, there are some great ideas out there right now. And uh, if you actually look at some of the location shoots they've chosen, and that's another thing I'm excited about, the fact that they're actually, like, traveling the world to find these kick-ass locations not get to the computer that's good. to make. Um, sounds I, like James Bond. Well, yeah, there's this... I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's double-edged. Um, I've actually pulled up, pulled up the island where they've... That's Luke's island? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we don't know that. We don't know. A planet with water. So. But, I mean, the, the not basic... Not and not Tatooine. Th- you know, the basic theory right now is that... At least it's not Alderaan. Not Alderaan. <laughs> Can't uh, be Alderaan either. Uh, oh, yeah, and there, there's a famous shot of them sitting yeah, around at the reading, and it has, like, a little tag for every person that you've Skele- seen this photo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know what I'm talking about? Skeleton I mean, Michael. That's how, like, this thing is going to get dissected. And uh, that's what I'm trying to I mean, say. Like, I don't feel like That's Abrams a real place, it. and it looks like a CGI, but it's real, so you right. know it's going to be good. It's party. It is. Anyway, all right, so let's talk about some of the characters and the character ideas we saw from the trailer. So uh, we'll save our segue point for the last, but uh, first of all, I got to say I'm pretty excited that they're including Andy Serkis, who is horribly underrated as an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's sort of the king of CG, and he's got like his own little company where he teaches other people to motion capture, but people don't realize how great of an actor this guy really is. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember after the first Lord of the Rings movie, Fellowship, came out, uh, 
he was in this other film. Uh, I it shows you how well I remember, but uh, you know, it's like not Hurley Burley. That's a Sean Penn film, but something like that. Uh, anyway, like, oh, hey, look, that back. That's pretty cool. And the, the fact that people could not tell that was him speaking, uh, you know, doing the voiceover in the trailer. And not only was he doing all of the voiceover, he actually sounded somewhat like schizophrenic in this trailer. Like, dude, Homeboy is acting even as a voiceover in a trailer. Oh, yeah. All right. So, anyway, we also, uh, I happen to love the inclusion of Max von Sydow. What do you guys think? Shut up! could crush your head, but you're not. There's a, new, there's a new theory out just today about which character... Vancito might be playing. I'm hoping it's Boba Fett. I mean, if you've actually looked at some Boba. of the uh, the artwork that's been done, the concept art, we think that Vancito's character is going to have like part metallic bodies, yeah. uh, you know, body parts it's being partially face. digested by well, the sarlacc. That's that's yeah. the idea. Yeah. And if you say there's a thing which is supposed to be purported, who knows if it's fan art or not, but it's supposed to be purported from the studio of Chewbacca is going to be missing an arm. He's yeah, I think, they've, you've seen I that think too. they've scrapped it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was going yeah, to say, I thought Boba Fett was dead. Sarlacc. Well, in the, in the, in the books, they always are being alive, so. Anyway, no, it sucks. It's just an article. It comes from today, 7.54 a.m. Like, that's how recent this new theory, theory is. That's, Relating back to uh, the Star Wars Rebels show, actually. And I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to watch it. It ain't bad. I've watched yeah, like, I've too. probably watched like five or things. six episodes. I've heard good things. Uh, I've watched like five or six episodes about it. It's pretty solid. Uh, and I'm hearing, you know, they've already tied one character, although secretly to, you know, it's like the big reveal at the end of uh, season one. But they've tied it to the Clone Wars cartoon, which I think is pretty pitching. Yeah, the Clone Wars cartoon is actually decent. I can deal with it. I really liked the. No, no, no. I haven't seen right. it. They had better action and fight storyline. Yeah, everything was it's big battles than a lot of fucking movies. Like, like only they could do away with uh, the prequel trilogy. Oh. Just like you know what, Clone Wars is the real prequel. Okay, <laughs> everything else is just just forget about it. Like, just forget how Vader. We don't no. need it. We don't need I, it. I, I know you guys are gonna like give me a hard time for this, but. I of the three prequels, I thought Revenge of the Sith was the best one. Well, that's a third one, right? That's like saying that. Yes. Yeah. It's like saying the turd doesn't have quite as much corn in it. I, I like the saber fighting. You know, they started they started adding <laughs> some elements of African stick fighting. Oh fuck you, man! Get the hell. Uh, out. Hey, I am um, a martial arts nerd. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not like that. Yeah, no, that's not cool. Game game over when Anakin Skywalker just goes murders. Like three hundred younglings. Yeah, I'm hey, like this. This movie fucking. I'm gonna sucks. be honest. Yeah. No, I'm talking. No, I'm not talking about. I'm I mean, just like fire a missile. Obi-Wan. Okay, Johnny Temple's dead. I'm talking about Obi Wan and the fight at the end. There was some elements of African stick fighting. All right. Yeah, you some of in uh, Musafar ago. where like the lava is. Uh, okay. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> I, I was gonna say that. Um, uh, I don't like that. One. I, I mean, like episode three. I feel like on some level, I'm compelled to like it the best out of the original three. But the fact that everyone loved it so much, like, oh, Lucas has totally redeemed himself with no, this. No. He has made another. I mean, a lot of people said this was, uh, and people, 
this shit like was in the newspaper at the time when you're reading film criticisms and stuff, you know, like the Times publishes it, that like it was almost as good as episode five and the, the, Are the original trilogy had, yeah, completely redeemed itself. And like that made me hate it even more. Cause yeah, I mean like if the other ones were a one, this is a one and a half. It wasn't that good. What? There's for episode three. Oh. You know what I mean? If one and two were a one, this is one and a half. No. It wasn't no nine. No. What the fuck is wrong with you no. people? You know what I mean? But people have gotten trained to expect dog shit. All right. So uh, characters. What do you think about the characters revealed in the trailer besides John Boyega or Max Mozzadell, Randy Circus? Kylo Ren, for instance, we've already talked about. I must have missed that trailer because I didn't see much. Yeah, you really don't. Uh, Kylo Ren is supposed to be played by Driver, the guy Adam from, Driver. Uh, right, right, right. Um, Girls. from Girls. I've seen him in that. Um and he, I mean, like, it's funny to think, it's like, he, he's such, like, a fucking weird character on that girl's show. I, I hate that show, by the way. I was actually, I've only ever watched it once. It's like a show about a bunch of, like, millennial but girls. But you know what? He actually can act. not, like, quite self-aware enough to be, like, funny. Like, you just disdain these people. At least that's, I think, how most males who watch a show watch. Was he involved in that really awkward sex scene I heard about? Where you're like... All the sex that he participates in on the show is, is awkward. I mean, it's kind of like bizarre 50 shades of He's playing your hot son, right? No, no, no. Oh, talking about in the movie. About I'm, no, we we actually don't know who Kylo Ren is, and I, honestly, I hope I hope there is no preceding provenance for that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a weird nose. Yeah, I thought. Oh, well, if you look at him and you squint and poke your eyes out, he looks kind of like Harrison Ford. I can kind of see it. Uh, yeah, okay. I can kind of see it. Anyway, uh, what about uh, let's see the X-wing fighter guy? Playing oh, yeah, Oliver, everybody's making a big deal about that. Oliver. Uh, well, I mean, how about this? It, like, is he going to be a major? Who cares what his name is? Because nobody knows anyway. It's not like you're going to be like Oliver Johansson. Oh, yeah. Scarlet's brother. It's not like he's famous. Um, heard a lot of talk about him because, like, is he a main character or is he just some, you know, red leader is going to get blown up in, in 30 seconds? I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, what do you get out of the trailer? Did you ever notice that, that, that in the original, the fat guy was named Biggs? The fat guy is not named, the fat guy is not Biggs. Oh, Porkins. His name that's is Jack. Porkins. That's right. That's right. I'm wrong. Also, Porkins is worse, though. It's edited back in the to fat, the uh The fat guy is Porkins. Come on. That's kind of funny. Uh, it shows you. It shows you the level of creativity George Lucas was running on. Like, there's a character, the Fat Twi'lek in Phantom Menace. His name is Orn Frita. He's like, yeah, my daughter's like corn fritter. Oh, this is called Orn Frita. Like, you knew he was completely bereft of creativity when he's getting names for characters from food that his daughter was eating. He's probably on a diet. He's like really fucking hungry. <laughs> Coming out naturally. Let's go ahead and segue to John Boyega. John Boyega. The heat. The heat. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's. And now, here's the news with what? what's happening, man. You get up and howl about America and democracy. Well, a very, very heavy, uh, heavy divertation. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. Fucking Bill O'Reilly sucks. Tonight's forecast, dark. Continued dark tonight, turning to partly light in the morning. I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself. Hey, what's happening, man? 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 What's happening, man? All right. All right. We're into the news now. 
Um, CNN reporting. Actor John Boyega has four words for anyone who's upset he's playing what appears to be a black stormtrooper in the latest Star Wars film. Get used to it. Uh, the 22-year-old British actor posted a message on Instagram yesterday after his appearance in the new trailer for Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Aroused feverish discussion on social media. On YouTube, some questioned whether a black stormtrooper made sense, while others reacted with racist remarks, of course. That was me. <laughs> Supporters responded on Twitter with the hashtag Black Stormtrooper. They'll accept an alien-filled galaxy powered by force, but they're not having a black man in uniform, tweeted writer Ian McIntosh. Love how there's controversy over a black stormtrooper. Even in a galaxy far, far away, black people exist and can be dynamic characters, too, tweeted Josh Oteng. I don't know. Uh, black stormtrooper better not die first or I'm getting pissed quipped USC professor Robert Hernandez so what do you guys think alright first of all you fucking racist no, okay. how stupid is this how stupid is it we're having this conversation uh, it, do it, a black man and a funny looking guy blew up the second death star oh so we'll get over uh, that what are we talking about anyway are we talking about this, Admiral Akbar? what are you talking about no, the dude I'm talking about knee and numb he, he looks like right. a catfish. I know my name. He looks like a catfish. Do, do, do your impersonation. You do well. I'm a cat. I'm a cat, huh? There you go. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he's black? No, I thought no, he was supposed to be Asian. Was I was shifting race onto fish people. It, it's just oh, okay. asinine. All right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, but no, it's like, let's talk about, because you know, this is supposed to be our news segment. It's, it is in the news this past week or two more often than... It has been. I mean, even just yesterday, I'm listening to NPR, and some stupid motherfuckers in Mississippi or Alabama strung up a 54-year-old black man and hung him from a tree with a sheet. He's 30 feet in the air, and people drive by and see this man swinging in the wind. Like, that was just yesterday. We have the news about the, you know, the OU fraternity who... You know, apparently racist chants, and they have the house mother getting caught on Two. on video saying the N-word multiple times. Yeah, I, I, I do have that. Uh, I don't know. That's like the not potty trained segment of the population. For the, you know, like I'm saying it exists, but I'm not sure it's the same demographic as the people tweeting about their infuriation and dissatisfaction at the casting of a stormtrooper in episode seven. No, if you give us something different. If you care that a person that has to have different melanin than the people you see is appearing in a movie, you fucked up. Yeah. I love melanin. It gets me hard. She's beautiful. Anyway. Oh, yeah. She. Anyway, no, I, why is this even an issue? I mean, okay, I realize we are not nearly as advanced in our race relations as we should be. I mean, we, we've come a hell of a long ways. I get it. But in Hollywood, it's it's such a different thing. Like We even have Idris Elba as a possibility for the next James Bond. He's a good fucking actor. It's all I, I fucking all I love. Like, I have a man crush they, they hated on Idris it. Elba. They hated it when he played Heimdall. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as like it's specifically about Idris Elba, uh, on one of my lists, I posted on IMDb, I had some negative comments because you know, after the reboot of Star Trek came out, I'm like, you know, wouldn't not be awesome if they did a reboot movie of Next Generation? Because you know, let's face it, it was a superior show to the 
the original series. But oh, dude, you're gonna get some hate mail for that one. Uh, yes, right. TNG. I, I agree. Send it to me too. All right. Uh, no, anyway, I actually like you know my imaginary, completely imaginary list of a re- reboot. I cast Idris Elba as Commander Riker. Like I got some hateful fucking comments about that. Really? Like they weren't overtly like, oh, oh, he's a terrible. No, it was just like you can't cast a black man as Commander Riker. I'm like, really? Seriously, dudes? We're going to do. First of all, I don't represent want. IMDb, and I am casting a reboot, not the original version. We're going to do what the fuck you want. <sighs> Indeed. All right. Well, here's the problem. Um, have you guys ever seen? There's the cracked after hours where they talk about the neutral mask. And the no, I've not, never of, watched it. No. Heard it? Oh, outstanding. Um, and they talk about like a lot of movie franchises will have a really bad actor as a central protagonist, and they actually talk about it's actually beneficial to the franchise. Because it serves as sort of a point of entry for fans to get involved and feel like they're involved in the universe. For instance, Star Wars. Like, Star Wars, Ridge Tridge, you know, like, who, who is the central character? Did you just refer to the original, original trilogy as Ridge Tridge? Is there precedent for that? Are yeah, the there first? is. I'm, no, I'm not the first. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I know. Cancel, cancel the but, um, Like, who, who is, like, the central figure? I know it's like Lucas, whatever he says, everything's about Darth Vader, but that's bullshit. Who's the central figure? It's Luke Skywalker who can't act worth a shit. Hey. Um, he, he, always, he likes Mark Hamill's acting a little bit. I thought he did okay. Um, you know what? Mark Hamill can act, okay? Uh, have you not ever watched Batman the Animated Series? Mark Hamill is the Joker. Like, he is the Joker. They're, you know, the whole Heath Ledger thing. Yeah, have, have you seen the Ridge Tridge, though? He's also Luke Skywalker. I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I have. I have. I'm not saying it was... You know what? I'm, well, I'm blaming Lucas on this. All right. That's well, anyway. poor direction. Let me continue to steal someone else's ideas. Like, you look at Star Wars, and they have Luke Skywalker. Or you look at The Matrix, and they have Neo, played by Keanu, two facial expressions. Reeves, right? And it's, it's like, uh, people, people like that on a certain level because like they can look at that person and rather than having emotion imposed on them, it's simply that they are, they have a, you know, subconsciously digestible. Yeah. They have a sub- subconsciously empathetic reaction to them and they simply, it's easier for them to insert themselves into the storyline. Same thing like Harry Potter, whoever the boy is who plays Harry Potter. What's the actor's Daniel name? Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. You know what I mean? Like not a tremendously emotional overt actor. The same thing. It's the point of entry he, for he's, people. He, he's supposed to have issues in real life, or in the thing. In the thing. In the thing. Thing. He's got some abandonment issues. Uh, are murdered, you? Is murdered, this like murdered, sexuality or murdered parents, abusive? You know. Oh, uncle, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Right. Yeah. And so the people in the movie theater, you know, if if they have a similar background, they can easily insert themselves. Or people who don't share that background, they can equally easily insert themselves. Well, people like that usually kind of bottle it in until they start murdering people. But let's oh. let's get let's get back to the news, though. Um, <laughs> that frat we're talking about, the Sigma Alpha Epsilon. I think somebody's um, getting dissolved soon. To the tune of, if you're happy, you know, clap, your, clap your hands. They said there'll never be a nigger in SAE. 
There'll never be a nigger in SAE. Do they, do they not know Greek? I mean, we're not even saying like Sigma Alpha Epsilon. No, no that's, they were that's just usually how. Oh, they were going. There'll never be a nigger in SAE. Uh, you, you can hang them from. They don't. They don't even call themselves Sigma Alpha Epsilon. But, like, I mean, like that's what they officially are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But just like in, in conversation, uh, that's too much. SAE. Yeah. No, like that's how how it is in in Greek life. Uh, sororities and fraternities. But then they said, you can hang them from a tree, but they'll never sign with me. They'll never be a nigger in SAE. That's pretty fucking harsh. That is, I mean, that's, that you've crossed and leave. That, that, I mean, you're crossing a line anyway. Don't get me wrong, but. Where was this again? Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oklahoma University. OU. The Sooners. I'm just glad something didn't happen in Florida for once. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, true. Because if it did, if it happened in Florida, everybody'd be like, "Oh, Florida." Um, true. Anyways, they uh, they're probably going to get if it hasn't already happened, they're probably going to get dissolved. That yeah, I heard they yeah, already yeah, were. They, yeah. they, they got to get dissolved. Um, and, oh, they were. I thought that was a done deal. And people vandalize their 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 frat dorm. They put tear this down on the outside. Which, well, the question is, I mean, it was a really nice frat house. Were there dude, really no? Were there not red flags? When there really were no African American members of this fraternity, I mean, should not that that have just signals on it? Because you know, when I was in college, it was everybody all right? Like, I don't remember seeing like uh, I I don't I didn't take you know stock, didn't have a census of such a thing. But you know, why isn't there a census of such a thing? Like, why you know, if I saw several fraternities that didn't have any particular. Uh, ethnicity, I, w- I would have to wonder, is this the kind of shit that's going on? No, I mean, like, uh, at universities, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this, because I was involved a lot with Greek life and stuff, but I mean, like, certain fraternities or sororities will have a certain reputation, even if it's not something explicit in their bylaws, where it's kind of like, oh, that's that's the Jewish fraternity, or yeah. or that, you know, that, that's, right, right, right. That, or that's the pretty sorority, those are the girls who were done up and have spray tans, and so on. Lambda, lambda, lambda. And, uh, and also, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is the same at every university, but the university I attended, uh, I mean, they had a separate, it wasn't considered part of the Greek system. Those were where the black fraternities and sororities were. So it was sort of like if you were you black, know, I, I don't I know if you were necessarily that, like actively directed toward them, but it certainly was kind of like implied, like the implicit thing was like, well, you don't go yeah, to the regular right. ones. You I, get, I got you. I mean, there were definitely you know, like, there was segregation in black, yeah. black fraternities. But maybe that's the issue. Maybe maybe the the fact that these things still exist is only perpetrating. Well, what's the purpose of a fraternity or sorority? Brotherhood. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's social networking for yeah. life. To pretend you're better than other people. Or that. So, yeah. And I, I never and in those... college. I never got involved with fraternities. I always said it was you know the thing was stupid because I had friends that were part of fraternities and sororities. It was just never something that I wanted to do. Well, and the historical black you know fraternities like. Yeah, they're historical because they didn't have much of a fucking choice back then. Right, right, right. Which is, you know, that's part of the issue. Right. Well, I mean, okay, on the one hand, I feel like this is kind of a success story. Because they came out and they said something fucking crazy. I mean, like, like what, what crime did they really commit? They said the word nigger in a chant. And they got their shit shut down. They got recorded. That's- yeah, they got, well, okay, yeah, good point. But, and, like, in this day and age, like, what isn't recorded? You know? It's true. So, I mean, you know, like, 
they said the N word, and then like, what's the punishment? They get totally shut down. They get shamed for life. I'm sure yeah. all the people who are involved with the administration of that for certain. You, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're we're talking about like this is the 50th anniversary of the marches on Selma. There are yeah. actually three people don't know there are three of them. I, I, like, how far have we come? Yeah, I mean, like that's aside, true. I just what you're talking about. Was in Alabama, where they actually had what appears to be a lynching. You know, and then the bring. Yeah, yeah. I heard it was. We weren't sure if it was a lynching or a suicide. I first heard it on NPR a couple of days ago. Do we know for sure now? Uh, it according, a, it was, yeah, it was, there are, right, so it's it under is. investigation, but All right. because the fact, there's no way this guy would have gotten up in the tree that far by himself. Okay. And here's, uh, you said the N-word. I hate people, people say the N-word. It's just for making white people to feel more comfortable. Say. Right. Yeah. It's, they, racists, they use the word nigger. We should call them out for it. It's how stupid they are for using the word nigger. I agree. That's why they definitely use the N-word. <laughs> it's true. I've heard it. Oh, and uh, back to black people in Star Wars. Uh, like, like we mentioned, Lando Calrissian, Mace Windu, Vader, well, at least the voice. That's true. Was James Earl Jones. Jones. Right, right, right. But, but I'm saying, like, none of those characters were particularly sympathetic, and none of them were nearly as empathetic as the central protagonists, who are supposed to be, you know, Anakin in the yeah. original trilogy. No, I guess. Or, and I think that's a big problem with the original trilogy, too, is there isn't really a central sympathetic... I mean, who's the central sympathetic character in the original trilogy? I guess Obi-Wan. But I, I think the fact that, like... Yeah. like, this guy pops up, and it's obvious that he's supposed to be the primary protagonist, and it's like... People are like, how am I going to enter this film mentally? I think that's what's turning a lot of people off. I don't think it's, it's you know, like, they're, they're you know, upset with the idea that it's, you know, discordant to them, that it's going to be a black protagonist. I think that it's, it, it, I think it's crossing their mind that in some way, even though they're just really realizing it subconsciously, it's not going to be as enjoyable a film. Does that right. make sense? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, so we ready to wrap up this segment? Um, any, any closing remarks? Yeah, I just want to say, um, I think, you know, it's horrible. Um uh, any racist, uh, you know, saying nigger in a chant or whatever. I mean, like, of course, you know, like we have this drib- tribalistic, jingoistic, you know, streak in a xeno- xenophobic streak in us. But, um, I think a lot of shit's going down with Muslims of recent, and it's I've true. heard very little discussion of it. Like there's a thing in North Carolina, there was a shooting yeah. of, of three Muslims. The neighbor killed the uh, neighbor, oh. neighbor killed three, yeah. three Muslims out of the blue. I think there was something yeah. in Texas too. It was over, it was supposedly over a parking dispute, but, when I'm having an argument with, like, say I was having an argument with you, I might shoot you. I wouldn't, but I might shoot you. But I'm not going to go around and oh, cap you your your friends and family in the back of the head. Yeah. That that isn't just from an argument. Well, it's bizarre because I think it's far, hard to find out like what actually happened now because we have different federal guidelines on if you kill someone. Like, for what reason did you kill the person? And then we're going to decide what kind oh, of. Oh, it's totally you. a hate crime. I yeah, because we, we have sentencing guidelines for this, yeah. whether it's a hate crime or not. Um, so, like, who knows if we're getting the real story? Because the person could just say, well, I, I hate, uh, I hate rag guys. Worry, uh, yeah. yeah. No, you, you, you'd have to establish, I mean, there has to be established behavior before right. that to prove it. But I mean, like, you know, what if the family were black and he went and he apparently indiscriminately killed people who weren't involved with the alleged parking dispute? I, I mean, everybody would be saying it's a hate crime. Did you just say involved? involved? Yes, he did. Okay, let's make it yeah, I'm, What did I say? I meant involved. Oh, no, no. Involved is good. We just bust your balls a little bit. We know you like that. <laughs> Yeah, said to the listeners. <laughs> they don't like no, they don't like it. What listeners. <laughs> All right, hold on. One more news story. We talked about being self-deprecating. This is some fucked up shit, man. We can't make fun of it. Because like the three people who are listening are gonna be like, <laughs> like shit. One, like, two, three. three. Like, 
I got you, I got you. All right, let's yeah, see. Wait, what other news? Wait, what other news? I have one more, have one more news story. Um, did you hear about how the, the cops in Denver were supposed to start weighing cameras? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, tur- this story, yeah. it turns out Denver cops failed to use mandatory body cams uh, 75% of the time. Mandatory. Mandatory. So it's only mandatory 25, 25% of the time. 25% of the time, it's mandatory to where 100% you're... of the time. Exactly. Anchorman, that movie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you just say that Anchorman sucks? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't care for Anchorman. Oh, God damn it. Damn you people. Um, but anyways, uh, Denver police officers turned on their body cameras just once out of every four use of force incidents during its six-month pilot program that concluded in December. According to Denver Post, Denver's independent police monitor reported that there were many cases where officers punched people, used pepper spray or tasers that went unrecorded because cameras were turned weren't turned on or malfunctioned, you know, during the during the assault. Uh, of the 80 use of force cases filed by officers, only 21 were recorded. 35 of those cases involved sergeants and other supervisors or officers working off-duty assignments. Ironically, none of those groups were required to wear body cameras. I guess because they're in charge, you don't have to. Wait, hold on. So, like, what is the actual number? If we subtract 35 from 80, we're talking about to begin with 45. So it's 21 out of 40. So it's about 50% of people who are wearing body cameras actually use the body cameras. Do you see what I'm saying? I think the article, the headline's a little misleading. All right, so it's about 50%. I can't it's about 50-50. You but see what I'm saying? I can't, I'm looking, I, I can't I'm see I'm looking it. at the text, so it's a lot easier for me to, to think about this. They're saying that a huge portion of the 80 use of force incidents, the people didn't have body cameras on, weren't so, required to have them on. Well, what, what the question is, why not? Uh, because, uh, that's coming now. Yeah, All because right. they were sergeants, so they were off-duty. doesn't matter. Well, if you're a fucking police officer, you're going to walk around with a body camera on you but why? No, no, but why? then why was he or she involved... With this use of force, if he or she were off duty, I don't know if they're legally intervening in a felony in progress. Then fucking put on your camera. Mm, well, well, you got to carry a camera around with you twenty four hours a day. Fuck the police. I mean, you're lucky if you're carrying a badge, you know, flat badge okay. and a gun. I come they from were supposed of the, police the, officers. They were supposed you. to turn it on before they exit the car, but officers waited to turn on their cameras during a police encounter and then complained that the situation got too out of hand for them to turn it's them sketchy. on. It's sketchy. That's sketchy as fuck, man. Even though they were supposed to turn the cameras on as soon as they made contact with yeah. the public. So they're, you know, they've made these regulations and well, mandated this wearing the body camera and they're not doing it and here's my proposal 360 degree video and audio on all police vehicles both on the roof and in the car and audio video device front and back on the officers themselves that is streamed to an independent watchdog organization the video and audio should be available to everyone as public should be available to everyone as public record the devices should have no on off switch and should be tamper proof if an officer removes or breaks their AV equipment, you're done, son. Yeah, no, he's not saying privatize. Because you could probably easily crowdsource that shit. Like, I mean, people would follow. Would you not volunteer to just, like, watch some, some like, you know, cops on patrol? Well, these guys are dirty. Let's go ahead and take a look and see if we can find something. I think that's more of a witch hunt than anything. Right. No, I, I mean, I don't even know about that. You even need to go that route. Yeah, I, I mean, well, what have been the... Um, comments that people have used in you know antithetical to using widespread body cameras because i've heard stuff about you know if you have a confidential informant or you have somebody who wants to give you a tip on a crime you know they don't want to be recorded or something 
So that has to be considered too. So like the default right. needs to be, you know, the camera's on. Well, you're not, that's using, a technical you're not using aspect force. too. Oh, patrol officer. Right. Yeah, because I've, I've had it's a true, form of uh, a body camera I got once. I got a um, gift card to Brookstone. So I bought a spy pen. Body camera? And, yeah, but I mean, um, they, <laughs> they could record... They could record for like two hours. I don't know what the technology is exactly now. Is there some kind of technical limitation on this? This is something technocratic that we need to get into as well. But I want to say it like um, uh, Phoenix has gotten in a lot of trouble for um, use of force problems. And they've had, yeah. No. And they've had, they've had um, body cameras in place for quite some time. And you can go on YouTube and you can watch a lot of the incidents, you know, that were supposedly, um, Abuse of force violations. And, you know, like some of them, the police have been exonerated because of the body cameras. Like there's one where a police officer was shooting a suspect running away. But when you look back at the body camera, you can actually see that he had a gun and he flung it in the middle of the shootout. You know, he threw the gun away and they didn't find the gun for quite some time. I think they wouldn't have found it probably if it weren't for the, the body camera footage. So, like, why in Arizona where they have all these problems, like they've seemed to have implemented it more successfully, I feel like. I don't know. I, I think I think this article might be sensationalized. As long as the police follow law as well, body cameras are good for everybody. The police and the suspects, because the the police can say it's not no longer their word against mine. This is what happened here. Look. All right, let's go to wrap this one up. Right. I say legislate legislate that shit, and we move on. I'm gonna go get some macaroni ready. This week on cool shit. Our boy Jeff discusses cancer and the real shit that's going to get rid of it. Cool. 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 Shit. Cool. Cool. Shit. Why so serious? This is the first installment of Fuck Cancer. You say hi, I say hello. But if you put them next to each other, hi, hello, you can see that technically they are different words. However, they activate the same part of the brain. How the hell does this relate to cancer? I'll explain. Anandiamide, hereto referred to as AEA, is a neurotransmitter that tells cancer cells, Hi. For the good of the body, you should really kill yourself. The cancer cell, having no fear of death, says, By Jove, I thought there was something wrong. That's why I installed all these extra doors just for you. I will commence to exterminate myself with extreme prejudice. You see, when the cell goes cancerous, it increases the number of CB receptors, AEA, high, then bonds to the CB receptor and jacks the cancer cell up. If I start to lose you, just remember... A-E-A good. A-E-A kill cancer. A-E-A high kills the cancer cell in a process called apoptosis, or programmed cell death. A-E-A high causes the mitochondria inside cancerous cells to unravel. Cells get their energy to function from their mitochondria. Without its mitochondria, the cell quickly dies. So why do people still get cancer? Well, there are a couple of problems. One, if you're sick, stressed, or ill in any way, your AEA high production goes down. Two, unlike most neurotransmitters, AEA high 
is produced on demand and is not stored in interstitial tissue, or in layman's terms, the tissue between the cells. 3. AEA Hi. is quickly broken down by a substance called fatty acid amide hydrolase, or hereto referred to as FAAH. You really are a fat bastard. So what can you do? Well, you can eat right and exercise and still you might get cancer, albeit less often. Or you could take a supplement that has shown to not only inhibit FAAH, you really are a fat bastard, but also says hello, hello, hello. instead of hi, hi, to the CB receptors on the cancer cells and therefore induce programmed cell death, killing the cancer cell. What is this supplement and why haven't you heard about it? The truth is, you probably have. You just thought it was a bunch of new age hooey. That sounds like a bunch of new age hooey. The truth is, the two substances I mentioned are found in cannabis. That's right, cannabis. Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol can take the place of AEA Hi. in the body and cause a cancer cell to undergo programmed cell death. And cannabidiol Strong am I with the force. can inhibit the degradation of AEA Hi. in the body by blocking FAAH. You really are a fat bastard. Thus increasing your levels of AEA. Hi. But I don't want to get high, you say. Most of the high feeling comes from the tetrahydrocannabinol. Better known as THC. So you could take cannabidiol. Strong am I with the force. To help boost your own AEA levels. High. Without that high feeling. Still not convinced? Chronic inflammation and free radical oxidation can cause many types of cancer. Cannabidiol strong am I with the force. is not only one of the most powerful anti-inflammatory agents in the world, it is also a more powerful antioxidant than either vitamin C or vitamin E. For full disclosure, I personally have never taken any form of cannabis, but it turns out the dirty hippies were right, so time for me and you to get over the massive amounts of shit we as kids were forced to swallow about marijuana. And if you're still of the mind that there's no way all that good stuff can come from a plant, just remember that 50% of cancer drugs and 70% of all drugs from the last 20 years are plant-based. So next time you get the chance to vote on medical marijuana, vote no on cancer and yes on cannabis. All right, so uh, Jeffrey, that was a pretty interesting uh, take on the use of marijuana for those who are stricken with cancer. You know about me. Stricken with cancer, or is this just preemptive, like George Bush? I imagine it could be both. Uh, uh, we should probably get started on that right now, then.
Because I heard from a person who came and spoke to my school when I was in junior high oh, that people in Holland smoke 20 joints a day and they all get lung cancer. Uh, that's pretty much bullshit. But cancer, cancer... And who smokes 20 joints a day? Like, uh, it's Puff Puff Pat. Like, what the... Who the fuck I don't even think Tommy Chong smokes that many a day. Yeah, but that's Tommy fucking Chong. You know what I mean? You're fucking... All right. Cancer's like the tobacco industry. You got to get them while they're young. That's true. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, uh, I was gonna say it's funny because there's nothing like the tobacco industry in that you know, tobacco has to be cultured and tilled what? and harvested. Yeah, and marijuana just fucking grows everywhere, everywhere, and that's why it has to be illegal. Like we cannot capture it and commodify it and turn it into an industrial product. It's because we can't control it. We have to make it illegal. Well, the thing with Definitely. the with the with the marijuana and your own endocannabinoids—that's the AEE and stuff like that—if uh, you get them. If you, if you take that and you get them while they're one, while the cancer is just one cell, that is optimal. Uh, so, yeah, it could be done as oh, a preventative I mean, measure. Speaking of Tommy Chong, Tommy Chong had cancer. Yes. And basically, he just smoked his way out of it. I listened to him on the Joe Rogan podcast. He said, even for me, I took so much that it was really uncomfortable. But... I it's really to, uncomfortable. He's like, I, I, don't, I don't have cancer anymore. I can. Yeah, but it's, like, even if you take so much that it's uncomfortable, even for Tommy Chong, like, yeah, it's better it, than chemo. Like, number one, that's, chemo. that's a great point. It is. Yeah, have you guys seen people who have gone through chemo? It's fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, like, you yeah. can you can like just make that much in your backyard. Anyway, you know, know it, it doesn't cost you anything. I know somebody who just died from complications from chemo. Yeah, a couple of days ago. Wow. I mean, you know, like I'm sorry me, for your I, loss. <laughs> more my wife's. What, what are your are you wives? You what? More, he's he's, he's apparently Mormon. He's a relative of my wife. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. My no, I mean, wives. He, he, oh, I mean, you guys know that. His wife. Yeah. I mean, my own father passed away when I was 18 of cancer, and something like that wasn't even on the table. Chemotherapy, complete, you know, eradicated any sort of fighting spirit this guy had. And yeah, see, I, I don't know. I think the reason that we really don't have legalization is because marijuana would be a good preventive or treatative measure for cancer, and we secretly like cancer. You know, like, it's horrifying. It secretly kills people. My, like it. My father was killed by pancreatic cancer when I was 22. Yeah, I mean, he was diagnosed, and it's like, all right, he's got two months, and that was it. Right. And... um but, you know, like we need something in the first world, you know, like we know we go around the world and, you know, like we shit on third world countries and how many people have died in Iraq, you know, I'm going to see an international estimate, you know, it's a half million people have been, you know, innocent civilians have been killed. And, um, you know, like we need something like cancer for us collectively to have some kind of fear so that we don't feel guilty about our international global policy and neo-imperialism. And, and, you know, like, think about what we do. Like, what do we do? We go, we go run, you know, half marathons so we can get our little medals, you know, to raise money for March of Dimes or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's this huge, Shouldn't like, be March of Dimes. Have you guys, you know, March guys, of Marijuana. Have you guys seen Pink Ribbons? Have you guys seen Pink Ribbons? I it's saw a Pink Ribbon today. No, but I mean the documentary Pink Ribbons. Oh, no. no, no, no. It's, it's a documentary about uh, the Susan G. Coleman March for the... It, it's, it's oh, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, about the Susan Coleman... That's right. Is that what it's called? Susan B. Coleman. Susan B. Coleman, March for the Cure stuff. And, um, you know, like a lot of people, their lives revolve around that. You know, there are people who are cancer survivors and people that, you know, have suffered 
the loss of someone close to them and so forth. And uh, this is like as close as we ever come to living in a war zone is, you know, this tiny fraction of our population who, who dies of cancer. It's the one time that we're really, you know, infantile in our impotence. We're unable to do anything in the face of death. And uh, we kind of need that on some subconscious level. That said, I hope I never get cancer. Well, I will do some more cool shits on cancer. You know, fuck cancer eventually. Because there is, there's hope. Oh, uh, stuff out there. There's hope. Yeah. There is All some right. shit either that's coming in the mix. And it'll do a lot of people a lot of good. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, as a thought experiment, imagine if tomorrow you wake up and on the news, we have an unquestionable, unequivocal cure for cancer. It is done. You're never going to have anybody around you ever die from cancer again. Like, what would that do to us in our collective mind? You know, what would the zeitgeist be after that? I, like, in a way, we would kind of get fucked up. I mean, there would be, like, the superficial rejoicing. But, um, you know, I don't know, you know, how do we respond? You know, like, how would we respond in the face of uh, prospective immortality? I don't know if it would be. I don't know if it would be. Somebody a good, wants to live forever. It'd be a good thing, you know, psychologically. Oh, uh, but what, what would that do for the world's population? Uh, we should. Uh, well, probably not much because I'm. How long is it going to take to trickle down to the third world? That you know? that's where that movie Elysium, which was a great idea, but not such a good movie. Uh, also, as far as the overpopulation thing, we should hit that on another segment at some point. All right, uh, who gives a it. shit? We're going to Mars anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and go SpaceX. SpaceX. Space. And now Buchanan with Unrepented List Man. Repent. I will not repent. Greetings. It is I, the Count. The Count. They call me the Count because I love to count things. In fact, I am looking for some things to count right now. You can be all sensible and organized together and make lots of lists. Make, 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 make lists. And a very special welcome to the very first edition of The Unrepentant Listmaker. This is Buchanan coming at you. Now for this week, what I've planned for you is the top ten franchises or movies that should get the TV treatment. So bear with me. Number 10, The Burbs. You know, that 1989 movie with Tom Hanks? Chances are, if you've seen it, you probably liked it. Now, I love the idea of evil lurking in the hearts of men behind white picket fences and going out and being creepy and killing people and then having this neighbor who nobody believes these people are creepy, but you have to try to convince them and end up getting into harm's way yourself. Now, I realize it's a one-trick pony, but you could expand it out, make it kind of like a Desperate Housewives for Dudes, incorporate a little bit of the, the supernatural element to it, and kind of make it like an eerie Indiana for grown-ups. There's a lot you could do with it. Number nine, Odd Thomas. I am by no stretch a Dean Koontz fan. I have read some of his novels. And I don't know why I've read multiple of his novels. That is to say that Odd Thomas does not have tremendous potential. I discovered this movie on Netflix, and I was absolutely floored by how good it actually was. And I was surprised, actually, that it came from Dean Koontz. But anyway, I digress. Anton Yelkin did a great job. He breathed life into the character. Fantastic mythos. There was a lot that could be explored in the story, and it probably deserves a show. And you know what? Anton Yelkin, it's a good leading man. Number eight, Frailty. Now, if you've seen this one, you probably love it. 
He's got Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey before he went off the deep end with the whole rom-com thing. And it sort of like made you think he could act. And then all of a sudden, the last couple of years, like, oh, my God, Matthew McConaughey can act. Well, you know, this is the movie to prove it to us. Anyway, the movie Frailty is about this sort of vigilante as he murders people whom he hears the voice of God deem evil. And you know what? It's profoundly troubling, especially in these times. And that's exactly why they should adapt this as a television show. Is he or is he not hearing the voice of God? Is there more at play? This would work well on HBO or a similar network, and that isn't necessarily afraid to step on the uh, religious toes. HBO, with their leftovers, and airing the Going Clear documentary, probably the right people to do it. Number seven, Now You See Me. All right, so Orsi and Alex Kurtzman written script, and it ends up playing out a lot better than it should. I realize that, but hear me out. You love a good revenge story. So what if you had this anthology kind of series where the character who is the ultimate, I don't want to spoil it, but the ultimate person behind this scheme of revenge, what if he orchestrated revenge on a larger scale or hired himself out to uh, wreak revenge upon other people for their sins in the past? Has great potential. I think it can make a good show. And you know what? Still love the revenge story. Number six, Blade Runner. I know, I know, blasphemy. They're already th working on the sequel. In fact, Harrison Ford just recently said that the script for Blade Runner 2 is the best thing he's ever seen. And, well, that sounds really cool. Now, anyway, I've always been fascinated by the world crafted by Philip K. Dick, but you know what? Ridley Scott did a kick-ass job. That world deserves to be destroyed. Not destroyed. That world deserves to be explored. Anyway, now, just think of it. It's this not-quite-dystopian future with... It, it intermingles with this, like, hardcore detective story. And that what at the heart of it and all it's about is exploring what it means to be human. That could play out pretty well for a more cerebral-type show. Number five, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It could not be on network TV. I get it. But you know what? It has great potential as well. Now, let's file this one under why is this already in development? Like, if you made this a Fargo-esque show with a revolving cast and Mr. Insert Color here, but centering around the same crime family who hired them to begin with, you could do a hell of a lot with something this cool. Speaking of remaking things that they ought not to remake, at number four, we've got Red Dawn. Okay, I get it. The one that came out a few years ago sucked. It was completely ridiculous. The idea of the United States being conquered by North Korea. Well, you know what? It may as well have been like Australia or something. I understand. But you know what? If you were to set this in the 1980s with that looming fear of Soviet Russia, not only could you have a great retro show, but... You could also have something truly viable. Make it set in some sort of alternate reality in which the Wolverines, that troop of young kids who had to fight against the enemy, had to slowly piece the United States back together. How awesome would that be? Number three, the Goonies. All right. My lens is certainly tarnished with nostalgia, but how many of you who've seen that movie 
didn't actually feel a little ripped off that we were only getting like one episode of an entire show because they made us seem like these goonies had all of these adventures on the goon docks yet we only heard of one i mean what happened afterwards wouldn't you like to know even gear the show towards kids could be a great time number two stardust this is one of the most underrated movies of the last 20 years and you know what the novel's even better it's rich in mythology and can easily adapt to a show that doesn't necessarily feature the same characters but features the same world and have something new happen bigger events better events maybe even intermingle some of those same characters also has the potential we're looking for and my number one franchise that should get the tv treatment harry potter all right now imagine that this were adapted with one season representing one novel with like 12 episodes and what if jk rowling helped produce and added some new scenes and new content you know you'd watch i'd even settle for just a series based on hogwarts even like set before after the harry potter series uh i mean we get this movie coming out soon with the fantastic beast and that's cool but who doesn't want to see everything and maybe a little bit more that jk rowling has to offer she's always writing these extra things on her pottermore wait why not include some of that why not include some new content she could really make this thing even bigger than it's already become and you know what i'd watch it i've seen things you people wouldn't believe <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Ten Houser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. All right, guys, that's my list. What you think? If you hadn't mentioned Harry Potter, I was going to. Word by word, motherfuckers. Yeah, I, some of the ones I thought were interesting were toward the middle, sort of the the cream filling. I liked um, Blade Runner. I feel like logistically it might be tough. I'm worried that a network would fuck it up because, like, you have to construct that world, albeit dystopian. You know, like it's going to be like a big budget. It would be so dark that it, it, it would ha- almost you could not put it on network television. Uh, you'd even be a stretch, a, Blade be Runner? a stretch for like See, I'm not that because sure, I mean, like Twin Peaks was on network television too. Like yeah, it's not overtly out, dark. It's it's just dark. It's dark for intelligent people. I, I feel like it could work. No, I'm just saying, I think it could, it would do a better job on like an AMC at the minimum, and then maybe even like Showtime. Yeah, you want it to be an HBO whatever. show? Yeah, like I want it to be fucking dark, but not the characters from the movie. Just in that world. In that world. Yeah. That that no, like I, I want De- Decker and he he goes off. Yeah, I'll leave that. The you know, the ending for that movie is perfect. Do not fucking touch that. It also leaves it open where the whole Harrison Ford sequel thing, that still can be, you know, live on its own, but you have this world that we want to explore. Like, you know, I realize this is made in what, nineteen eighty two, and you have the uh you know, that pervasive feeling that we were going to get taken over by the Russians or whatever. But there's also that economic feeling with uh, the Chinese. You know what? 
that's exactly what's going on right now. I mean, yeah. look at what happened in 2008 when you know, the economy bottomed out. You had the Chinese buying our junk bonds. Uh-huh. Treasury bonds. That's what yeah, see, um, that was the reason why I was thinking it wouldn't really work right now. I feel like we already kind of live in an age that's a little bit too dark for something like that. Like, it would have to be something very redeeming in almost every episode. You know what I mean? I, I've been thinking about, like, a lot of 90s stuff recently. I was talking about the article about nostalgia and appealing to it in, in movies, sequels, remakes. And, um, l- like, we kind of know we all live in dark times financially. The outlook isn't good. ISIS and world economy and all this stuff. So I'm not sure, like, like, do people want to sit down and watch a dystopian future? Now we're talking about the viability of these shows. I don't think people do are aware of that. I mean, no, oh, historically no, they're acutely aware. I think, like, people subconsciously, like, they know the world they live in, and when they sit down to, you know, enjoy art and take it in, they know what's going on. People seem to love dystopian, you know, future shows. Well, yeah. you want to know why? They, I mean, that's the big craze in YA fiction right now, too. Because if it's not a dystopian future... It's there's no story. Everyone's well, happy. Yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say, like, I don't know if they like the dystopian future. Like, people like the idea of shit going awry, and that's why I was thinking the Red Dawn thing might be the most viable out of everything you were talking about. One thing, dystopian futures. Right now, we seem to be on a crossroads where the future could be dog shit, or the future could just be the best time ever. It should be like a utopia rather than a dystopia. All right, here's what I'm trying to say. I think like the Blade Runner thing, it's a dystopian future without any real kind of purpose. And I don't think people psychologically can deal with that. Red Dawn, on the other hand, would be really interesting because it's sort of like... Like the fantasy of Red Dawn isn't like, you know, we as civilians could readily fight back against a mechanized trained force that, you know, launching a full invasion against us. You know, like the fantasy is that we ourselves are vulnerable at any given time to the same sort of invasions that we launch across the globe. Right. And it is, you know, like we're Iraq. I mean, we're and that's I- the thing with, with the Red Dawn. Like, and we it see does really not work. It does not work with any, anyone else other than Soviet Russia. Just doesn't. Yeah. So you have to keep the time you have to keep the you know the right and i and like i was saying earlier with the nostalgia article the nostalgia thing would play in but then you have like the technical issues now I mean, as long a period as you piece it's not going to be the same it's just not the russians are the only dogs big enough to really yeah make it happen i mean even today though there's it's there's so far-fetched but like i realized i was a child of the 80s but like that was an ever-present pervasive fear was the fear of Soviets nuking us. Or, but, but we now we have ISIS. Isn't that scary? The thermonuclear no. No, war? Man. No, I, I don't get the ISIS thing. All right, any other any other shows out or uh, franchises Harry, movies? Oh, I already said Harry Potter, but yeah, Harry Potter. So yes. you love that? I love that. Even if it's a that's, cartoon. That's my number one. Even if no, it's man. Make it a real, like, 12, you know, one episode equals, like, one month of, you know, of Harry Potterness. Uh in the life of Harry Potter, you know that's that's the way to go. Can't say I'd watch it, but it would be big. I'd watch it. That's because Jimmers is a Harry Potter hater. What? He's a Harry hater. Uh, it's probably related to the fact that I'm a grown ass man. Um. Anyway, I think uh, the Reservoir Dogs idea was interesting too because you're kind of like creating a parallel universe with that. Also, yeah. 
And it'd be very easy to do. Like, it's just a parallel universe in which everyone wears skinny ties. Well, and you, I love the idea. Like, if you watched Fargo or True Detective, you know, this ensemble show where it's only meant to go for, like, a season. You have, like, playing out, you play out the heist, the planning of the heist, the pulling of the heist, whether or not it's successful, whatever. But basically, the the, the mainstay characters are the ones, the crime family. Uh, what was it? Penn. Chris Penn. And in the original movie, he was the one who was behind it. Like, you know, obviously he's deceased, but, you know, get, get the new crime family who's just like hire, you know, hiring these guys for these little heists. Right. Yeah. And, you know, recycle your colors. You know, the new Mr. Pink, uh, right. new Mr. White, you know. That oh, stuff. that would be great. Like, there's a scene where they're like in the office and there's like a big chalkboard because this is before whiteboards. Yeah. They have like a big chalkboard and like, you know, like you have to like, you know, cross off the name for Mr. Pink. And then they put in, you know, Steve Buscemi's. And then you get to learn, like, where did Mr. Pink come from? And Steve Buscemi, like, he's already carried a, a series himself. Right, right. He just needs lots of makeup. So we can make this happen. Now, Mr. Did Mr. Pink survive in the end? Yeah, he's right? the only one. Yeah, that's yeah. what I well, thought. He's, he's one, you'd never see the body, is the, the TV trope, you know. Because he, he runs outside and there's lots of gunfire. And, you know, you would assume that he gets killed. But he's, he's the you only know. one who possibly yeah. could survive. All right. Are you telling me Butch and Sundance didn't make it? Uh, that's the wrong show. And now for our segment, Secretly Awesome, in which we present something that you would think normally sucks, but instead we tell you about how it's awesome. Jeff is going to tell us about spiders and boners. Miranda Bryant reporting the standard.co.uk. A London family was forced to leave their home after discovering dozens of the world's deadliest spiders. Mother Kanzi Taylor told of her horror after strange spots on her banana started dropping off as she was eating it and scurrying away. But when she sent a picture of the spiders to the pest control firm, the family was ordered to leave their house immediately and told it could be infested by lethal Brazilian wandering spiders. In an email, the firm warned, The Brazilian wandering spider is venomous and should be considered dangerous. We have to take huge care and diligence. According to the Guinness World Records, Though a spider has the most toxic spider venom on earth, it can cause loss of muscle control and breathing problems, which can lead to paralysis and asphyxiation. Mrs. Taylor told the son, I got halfway through the banana when I saw something white on the skin. I thought it was mold, but when I had a closer look, I saw some funny-looking spots, and was horrified to see they were spiders. They were hatching out on the table, scurrying around on my carpet. When she took the one-pound Colombian fair trade bananas back to the store, they were initially offered only a ten-pound voucher. Since the grocery store has paid £1,000 cost of their hotel stay, dry cleaning, and fumigation, and has apologized to the family. Aside from causing intense pain, the venom of the spider can also cause priapism in humans. Erections resulting from the bite are uncomfortable, can last for many hours, and can lead to total impotency. And this is how it's secretly awesome. From the DailyMail.co.uk, scientists at the Medical College of Georgia believe the species contains a possible breakthrough for erectile dysfunction. Dr. Kenya Nunes, a physiologist at the college said the venom of the brazilian walking spider is a very rich mixture of several molecules these molecules are called toxins and then we have various toxins in the venom with different activity because of this when the hu when a human is bitten by the spider we can observe many different symptoms including priapism 
a condition in which the penis is continually erect. Other side effects on top of long, painful erections include loss of muscle control, severe pain, difficulty breathing, and if the victim is not treated with antivenom, could lead to death due to oxygen deprivation. Its unusual effects could be used to treat sexual dysfunction. Experiments managed to give erection-challenged rats with high blood pressure a bit of a boost. A peptide called PNTX2-6 was given to the flaccid rats who achieved side-effect-free erections. The spider's toxin worked in a different way. Got, got the vision of a spider who doesn't have eight legs, but eight boners that he walks around on. <laughs> the spider's toxin worked in different ways than drugs such as Viagra, which is good because some patients don't respond to the conventional therapy. So, that's about it. If anybody in Hollywood hears this, like they're going to be like, that motherfucker's right, we're making this porn right now. I don't know about you guys. I just want to like go home and think about my life and take a really long nap. Because <laughs> the boners bring out the best in you? No, no. he's talking about explosive, uncontrollable boners. <laughs> which you just slowly die from having an overly erect penis. And... Oh, well, there is that. Check, please. Kind of, kind of like one of those ones. It's like there's those situations like, do I want to get bigger, better knowing my dick will never work again? Or It's, uh, you're right. That is a double-edged sword, man. I'm just kind of surprised that they have bananas in London. Like, it doesn't seem like a place where they would have lots of bananas. English you know what I mean? people? Yeah, I don't imagine. Have fresh fruit? Yeah. Like, I don't. What is this? I don't, I don't imagine, you know, like the, um, who's the lady? The, the dole lady? You know, Chiquita tr- banana. Chiquita banana. You know, dancing around with a bunch of you know bananas in her hat and like people in those aren't bananas. Some, those are some fruit? boners. And they were, I like they were they were fair trade bananas too. You know, man, fuck these fair trade bananas. Next time I get bananas, I'm with the slave bananas. Then maybe those are spider free. We have bananas in Michigan. No, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, why is that relevant? <laughs> he was saying I can't believe there's bananas in the UK. Oh, okay. yeah, it's it's. London is a fucking island. Like the island of London. Uh like there's a road like anybody who does there's listen, a road like that from, motherfucker just called London an island. He is so wrong. No, it's on an island, dipshit. There's a road <laughs> to where are you from, Michigan? There's a road to Shipville from wherever bananas come from, the other Shipville, you know, presumably Florida. And it's true. But there isn't one to London. I'm kind of. I wonder if bananas are sort of like exotic there, and now they're going to be even more exotic once the boners play. What around. you did hear that it was ten pounds that she got back. So it's not like those things are cheap. Was ten she, pounds she got back? She, cost, it cost them her ten pounds. It cost her a, it cost her a pound. Oh, cost her a pound. Oh, okay, and they gave her. She they gave her ten pounds and shut up money. Like here's a here's a banana more. full of spiders. Uh, give me my 10 pounds. So I'll start right, up when about I was it. a baby, my mother purchased some Gerber dry baby food that had a cockroach inside and they at least sent her a coupon in a value consummate with the, the cost of the, the dry baby food. So yeah, I mean like, yeah, but I mean like how much is 10 pounds? That's like $15 or something. You know what I mean? Like, it, like the difference between like a dry bug that makes you throw out the the baby food 
and fucking spiders that if they bite you, your penis literally fucking explodes is only like ten dollars. And you die is only ten fucking dollars. That's unbelievable. These cheap fucking bastards. And now a very special segment. Porn and Marks with Professor Jillian Smythe. Wackers of the Wild Unite! I am Dr. Gillian Schmeid, Grand Regis Professor of Psychophilosophy at the Aphid Institute. In this installment of Porn and Marx, I'll be exploring the relationship between the legacy of American slavery and the interracial gangbang. I would like to note that I will use the term interracial pornography to refer strictly to heterosexual film pornography featuring a white female and one or more black males, generally referred to as BMWM, black male, white female pornography. Interracial pornography emerged in the early 1970s only a half dozen years after the start of the American Civil Rights Movement. This is not long after the first repeals of prohibitions on film pornography. In 1972, the same year as the first acknowledged interracial film was released, a Gallup poll revealed that 60% of survey respondents disapproved of interracial relationships, and only 29% approved. Interracial pornography is a seminal genre within the canon of modern pornography, not a late advent. Even when interracial relationships were seen as immoral, pornography bucked the trend. American interracial pornography is put attacked critically by some of my academic comrades, especially my fellow progressive feminists. The charge that it is especially demeaning to women. Embedded in this assertion, of course, is that sexual intercourse with a black male is particularly demeaning. No doubt, this ironically parallels the appeal to some enthusiastic viewers, both black and white. To the black viewer, the penetration of the white actress represents the betrayal of white authority, and the assertion of his physical prowess as a force more powerful than the white would-be oppressors and a general reversal of the negative racial stereotype of subservience while maintaining the positive stereotype of sexual prowess. The tainting of the woman is always accentuated in these films. She is an object of disdain in the viewer's mind, must be defiled. To a certain white viewer, however, the degradation of the female is a revenge fantasy in a direct manner for the constant rejection of the targets of his sexual forays, but also indirectly for the perceived shortcomings of all the women in his life, and, I fear sounding too Freudian, starting with his own mother. If the male viewer is sexually successful, he may still feel certain insecurities which drive his taste for this genre. The implication that the coupling is in some way unnatural is sometimes overt and always at least subconscious. The fantasy of 
this sort of white male viewer is that he himself is being cuckolded. Pleasure is perverse and self-deprecating. His small, inadequate white phallus has been replaced by one or more large, black, proper ones. This is the driving force of a small minority of viewers, however. What is the real impetus of the overwhelming majority of white viewers, you ask? The real impetus is perverse pleasure in perpetrating the long American history of subjugating blacks. Anecdotally, interracial pornography is not anywhere near as popular in European countries, countries which lack a long-subjugated racial minority. Furthermore, Notice the death of films featuring actors of other races, even particularly maligned races. You scarcely ever see Middle Eastern males, despite the general disdain they have engendered in the white American collective mind of recent. The appeal to the white American male is that pornography as an institution subjugates all participants. The actors and the actresses are the employees who are selling not only their very bodies as a simple prostitute would, but their very pride and reputation. In exchange for a fistful of dollars, they abdicate their ability to interact meaningfully in polite society. The implied cuckoldry, as I've previously described, diminishes the black male's power in the political calculus of the engagement. If he were discovered by the rightful, natural white husband, the white knight would presumably defend the honor of his besmirched wife, whether she was a willing participant or not, and so forth. In this way, the intercourse exists in both a fantasy and pseudo-actual gonzo-esque world, in which the black appears dominant, but the sexual access allowed him is entirely by your leave, controlled carefully by whites. The viewer knows that the sex act is permitted by the white female, and the film's likely white producers, and the white viewer himself as a proxy for the institution of white power. The underlying criminality of the black's transgression further erodes the black's position, not boosts it, in this way, the white viewer is able to assuage his feelings of sexual inadequacy by subverting the black male's sexual prowess into the subconsciously longed-for slave-master binary. The ultimate manifestation of this would be a scene in which a white female begs a group of impoverished, though physically gifted, black males, perhaps desperately dependent on employment through her husband, to sate her sexually. As the act takes place, the female's white husband watches voyeuristically through a window, a point of entry for the actual consumer. The very moment after the blacks collectively climax, the precise moment when the alleged black male fantasy of sexual equality and breeding rights seems to have been fulfilled via the one attribute the black male can take pride in, his physical potency. The white husband enters the room with a posse armed with shotguns and a hanging rope. You see, the oppressed suffer the most not at the acute moment of oppression, but when they are divested of the fantasy of escape. Workers of the world, unite! You have nothing to lose but your chains! 
Well, that was a pretty interesting segment. I, I have to say that uh, Professor Smythe blew my mind on, on at least four different segments there that she was talking about. I feel like I could tell she spent a lot of time meditating on this, you know, just academically. Like, I mean, like it was interesting because it was, you know, passionate too. And she was, she was right about the, the European, you know, not searching for, uh, you know, gang, black gangbang porn as much, but here in America, but the dude tries a video, right? The, the deep, the deep South, the typically more racist, you know, states search more for biracial porn. Hmm, isn't that see mind blown again? How do you know that? Where are the statistics on this? Uh, International database of pornography statistics. Many. Oh, uh, those are people who make shit up. Uh, like right. we make shit up. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, now to close out our show, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, something you'd like to call the dope box. That's right. Each one of us, Jeff. Jimmers, me, we get to, uh, you know, elucidate something that might be uh, grinding our gears at the moment, or some sort of opinion we feel very strongly about at the moment. Uh, it's going to be quick. Uh, this week, the federal government released the NIE, the National Information Estimate, from 2003, which was supposed to be the paper that had the justification for going to war in Iraq. Um, if you read through the thing, it's 93 pages. I've read some summaries. Effectively, uh, everything about having weapons of mass destruction was completely hypothetical. The connection between Saddam Hussein and Al-Qaeda was considered to be um, less of a relationship than even the United States government had with Al-Qaeda. And the entire thing overall, it was chock full of conditionals and hypotheticals and subjunctive auxiliary verbs. And we went to war anyway. We were talking about the body cams earlier. And there's a um, acute lack of transparency to begin with. And uh, beyond that, it was like we were primed in such a way that people didn't care. Even retroactively now, people, it's like, like we have the alternate history version where nobody raised their voice, nobody spoke up, and we just did what we were going to do invade Iraq because it had already been predetermined by the powers that be. All right. Let's hope that never happens again. Uh, let's demand more transparency. Jeffrey. Okay. Dope box time. What annoys me is all the, you know, talk about alternative energy. We'd be too much trouble, and, you know, it's, it's all in the future. And, a lot of the stuff I'm going to tell you about came from a show I watched in the 90s called Beyond 2000. Wait, people had TV back then? Yes, yes, they did. Um, but anyways, the uh, the airborne wind turbines you saw in Big Hero 6. Great movie. I, I heard something. They actually, there's one that's being launched, but most of... Uh, I met Baymax. <laughs> Are you calling him Baymax or Betamax? Baymax. It sounds like Betamax. I'm pretty sure. But he's supposed to be a robot from the future. His okay. name is Baymax. All right, gotcha. I, I, all this time, I'm, I I'm calling Betamax. him Baymax. I'm calling you dumbass. Okay. But it, it just Take annoys it. me that, you know, that's, oh, it's the future with our futuristic technology. No, we can have that stuff right now. There's uh, there's also, and if you go up high, you know, the, part of the problem with those is, you know, they only kill the birds and there isn't always wind. Well, if you go up into the high altitude, the wind usually is between 57 and 247 miles per hour. That's, a, that's enough wind. The same is true for tethered solar panel balloons. If you go up high enough, it's always a sunny day. Uh, and, you know, 
but people complain about uh, solar panels because of conflict minerals, because either slave or slave wages, you know, in the places where they're being You're mined. talking about like the Congo or something. Exactly. Or West Virginia. West Virginia. <laughs> but, you know, say you don't like those. Well, then parabolic solar troughs and solar towers uses the heat of the sun to melt salt and uses that as to power a turbine. Um, you also have the solar updraft towers. It uses convection. When hot wind rises, it turns a, it turns a turbine. Uh, liquid fluoride thorium reactors. A lot of people complain about it because it's still radioactive for like 300 years, but uranium is radioactive for like tens of thousands of years. Um, and, oh, they can't... He's giving me the finger. And I was. And they, if, if done in a certain way, they can't have a meltdown. They just stop working if something shit, shit goes wrong. I like it. Uh, they have. No, I just say I believe it when I see it. I mean, Fukushima wasn't supposed to have a meltdown either. But you know, who the hell? Knows? It's got to be better than what we're doing now. Well, this one, if it gets too hot, the stuff actually melts into a basin and stops. All right. Uh, wave. There's there's wave buoy power generations. There's. He's, now he's jerking off in front of Underwater current turbines and tidal current and tidal tur- turbines. So there, there's a lot of shit we could be doing and should be doing. Um, but it's not going to make the oil companies any money, so we probably won't. What? Free power? Free energy? Yeah, you sound like this is a really pressing thing. And I'm just saying, I, I've heard recently, it was like a year ago, a couple years ago, do you remember this? They are talking about we'd pass some sort of threshold. And this was like the EPA release that that um, there was enough atmospheric carbon that we couldn't turn back from that point. There was going to be irreparable damage, even if it took 30 years or 40 years to manifest. Um, I feel like I've read in, uh, if you guys read Freakonomics, the sequel. Negative. It's, it's super, oh, yeah, they, they, have, they have the documentary. In the sequel, Super Freakonomics, they talk about basically we're already fucked and we need to start looking at different avenues, things that seem almost like out of left field, not to reduce carbon emissions, that actually we need to take carbon out of the atmosphere at this point. So they talk about like replicating volcanoes or, or you know, giant filters. I just heard on one of the science podcasts I listened to about uh, people are developing atmosphere scrubbers. And also there is a technology that's been you know talked about where they bring up cold nutrient water and basically in the middle of the ocean, they farm... Um, algae and most of the oil and carbon that we ever had. Can we come eat the algae? algae? And then they sink that ship. Once it dies, it sinks back down to the bottom, gets covered up. Is it soil and green? Is soil and green people? Soil and green. Soil and green is people. Oh, and the other thing um, that I'm going to talk in an upcoming episode of Cool Shit about um, um, biochar. It not only helps shit grow, it holds on to water, could help help in the drought areas, um, but it also once that carbon is put into the ground, it stays there for hundreds of years or more. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Buchanan. This is my dope box. So last night, somebody texts me, says, hey, you got to download the new Kendrick Lamar album. So um, at first I, you know, usually my typical belligerent self, I say, hell no, I'm not downloading that. I have never even heard of this individual, but yeah, you know I agree. What? I feel like as I get older, I hate new things more uh, and more. Yeah, new, I understand new like the old curmudgeon grandfather and the, you know, waving his cane, get off my, you you get off my I've lawn. I've never heard of him either. Never well, I, apparently we, we are behind the time. So anyway, you know, I, I, I relent. I download this album and he, he tells me it's brilliant. Okay. And I really, I just published this, 
review of this new Stephen Wilson album, Hand Cannot Erase, last week on the website. But I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a whirl. I'm open minded. I listened to the first four tracks. Into into track five, I am tired of listening to songs about this man's penis. Okay, if you look on Metacritic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really. We don't either you. directly or indirectly reference it. No, one entire song is about my my dick ain't free. Okay, so you, get you look it up it? on Metacritic. This shit out? has a ninety two on Metacritic. So what does that tell you? Fucking people are weird. It tells you that the state of music criticism isn't nearly as critical as it needs to be because I get it. The music was great. It's like one half brilliant. But when you listen to these idiotic lyrics, it completely undoes anything good that this guy puts forth. Otherwise keep the music, bring in somebody talented to do the do something. Yeah. And I mean, like, I just know it depends because like something you watch entire movies or read books or anything. The entire thing is about a penis and it can be good. You know what I mean? Like Maltese Falcon. I call that shit the Maltese phallus. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. You know what I mean? Like, what is it? It's this, like, big, tall, black statue. Right, right. For, you know, it's exotic, and everybody's chasing at it. It's the stuff dreams are made sure of. I'm pretty sure that uh, Professor Smythe's going to have that on her, ne- on her next yeah. episode. Maybe she'll also talk about the Washington Monument. Maybe. All right. Um, so that's it, guys. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Later. Yeah, later. Bye. I don't know what you've done. What daring, what outrageousness, what innocence, what arrogance. I salute you. (laughs) Hi, this is Jeff. As Ernest Hemingway said, the first draft of anything is shit. Sorry about the audio issues we had this week. If it ever happens again, I swear I will feel really bad about it. And I will run this exact same audio. Hopefully, it won't happen again. Hello, cutie pie. What is thy bidding, my master? Feel how soft my skin is. My nipples are very sensitive. I love the creamy, cushiony feel. What's it is, your lips? It's so good! Really tiny, tight, and silky. One quick little pump is all you need. It's the powerhouse. That's what's getting in there. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. You're in more dire need of a blowjob than any white man in history. It's the dream cream. It's that perfect finishing touch. It's got all the good stuff to nourish your skin. You're a sexist, egotistical, hypocritical bigot. I guess there's just two kinds of people. My kind of people and... Nearsighted gynecologist. Jacking off to the lingerie section of the Sears catalog. I think you are filth. I think you are scum. You are a degenerate! I'm not a pervert. Chewy, is that you?